Welcome to the Foundations of Learning podcast, where we believe every child deserves a tailored and enriching educational experience. By embracing diverse perspectives and sharing practical tips, I hope to inspire you to actively participate in your child's learning journey, fostering a love for knowledge and nurturing the skills necessary for success in a rapidly changing world. Let's get started. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited for this episode. We are talking about technology and whether or not it is affecting your child's ability to learn or their academic abilities. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about the pros, the cons. I'm going to go through studies and we're going to talk about the um, delayed gratification, memory, knowledge, and focus, and the correlation it has to technologies because these are important things that we need to be able to have or the ability to do um, so that we can be successful in learning. First of all, I am not here to shame you on how long your child is on technology or what type of things they are on. I just think that it's very important that we understand the effects that technology has not only on us, but on our child's brain because they are, it is, their brains are developing, right? So I think it's important that we Get some information and you can take this with a grain of salt and do your own research. Please do your own research. Um, But I'm just going to go through some of the studies and um, we're going to talk about what the child's going through in their development and why or why not technology is good for them. All right. So first of all, let's talk about what learning can be defined as. Learning can be defined as the gathering of knowledge or skills through experience. So I want you to think about a time that maybe you learned something new Um, Or maybe you just um, can think about an experience in school um, where you were learning a skill. Now, generally, when we have a memory, it's because we experienced some sort of emotional pull to it, or maybe we, um, it was super fun and we had this like really hands-on activity, or it was like multi-sensory, so our body remembers it because it's using its five senses or it's using... um, or there's like an emotional pull to it. So I want you to think about an experience and why you remember it, okay? And the second thing I wanna talk about why this relates to learning is because when we can provide hands-on, engaging, multi-sensory activities, the child is actually more likely to remember that skill or how to do that skill and remember that information. So that is something we wanna think about as we are looking at technology and whether it's hindering their learning abilities or not, or whether or not technology is even a good way to go as far as learning a new skill. So technology as we know it is continually changing. It is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. If anything, it's becoming more complex and the way we use technology is even changing. So I think it's important that our children understand what technology is, how we can appropriately use it, and how it actually can affect us. That is something that's so important to know. I mean, I mean, how long have you ever been sitting there on your Instagram and you're just scrolling and then you look at the clock and it's been 30 minutes? You know, you just wasted 30 minutes looking at nonsensical things or whatever, right? So I think it's important for us to understand that that has the same effect on our children. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Um, Another thing I wanted to talk about is just what the kids are seeing on their devices. So I know most parents are very strict about what what their kids are 
um, looking at or what they're allowing their children to be on and what they're watching. But I think it's important to note there was actually an Instagram reel um, and it was they were studying to see the response to a child um, when their environment changes and they're trying to learn something. So in this reel, what they did is they had um, the baby and the mother, the baby was sitting on the mother's lap. I would say this child was maybe like one years old, one and a half ish. Um, and there was somebody teaching this baby things and they were like playing and using like multi-sensory activities and the baby was engaging. She, um, she was doing all of the things that the teacher was asking her to do at, even at this very young age. And then they had a new person come in. So they invited this person in and that person was actually very unkind to the teacher, was very harsh. Um, had an angry tone of voice and immediately you could see that this baby's um, temperament completely changed. No longer was this baby having fun. It went into like, you know, fight or flight, like what's happening, something bad might be happening. And then that lady left the room and then the teacher tried to continue teaching that child and that child wanted nothing to do with it. So what I'm getting at is that if your child is seeing things, um, you know, via technology, even via TV, like the news can be so harsh, that can affect us. It can affect us to where we're going to go into a fight or flight mode. So it's so important that you are looking at what your child is looking at. All right, so now I want to read a quote by an occupational therapist named Jean Ayres. I might be saying that incorrectly, but she says, the brain must integrate three types of sensation. One, gravity and movement sensations from the inner ears. Two, the sensations from the eye muscles. And three, the muscle sensations from the neck. The brain puts these three types of sensations together to know how to hold the eyes and neck steady. This development will continue for several years and is a vital building block for learning to read. It also helps the child learn to balance an overall body movement. So why am I talking about this? When you're sitting in front of an iPad or in front of the TV, you're not moving. You are very sedentary. And that is something that is more common in our world today is we are very sedentary. Um, kids aren't going outside and playing as much. Kids are more playing on video games or iPads or things like that. And their bodies are not moving. Now, Throughout history of mankind, children have always been out playing, running around, experimenting with the world around them. And if we are not allowing them to do that, things are not going to develop properly for them. Um, that is how their brain develops, is through movement and through play. So it is so important that you are spending a little less time on technology and more time playing specifically in nature. There was another study done that talked about um, the difference in gross motor skills developing, like gross and fine motor skills developing, and the environment in which they were practicing these skills. So gross motor skills, I would say, is more like your big muscles, like jumping and running and skipping, things like that. Your fine motor skills are going to be like your, um, like your eye movements or can you grip things with your finger and your thumb. Like those are going to be the fine motor skills. Fine motor skills are going to be more for when we're writing, drawing, things like that. Okay. So what the study found was that if children were only on playgrounds that had very flat surfaces, their gross motor skills were not as developed as those kids that were um, like out in nature on uneven terrain. So if they were on uneven terrain, their gross motor skills were a lot 
higher. And the reason being, I mean, is pretty obvious is that if you're just constantly walking on a flat surface, you don't have to engage your abs. You don't have to, um, you know, engage your ankles and your knees and, you know, really focus on balance and things like that. And those are super important for developing in um, the inner ear, for developing your eye muscles and your muscle sensations in your neck. Super important. And as she said, it is a vital building block for learning to read. All right. So let's talk about these studies that are going through technology and common things that they saw. Now, to be honest with you, a lot of this is, um, the data on it is very thin. And the fact being that the way that we use technology today is relatively new. So as far as like longitudinal studies, they don't have as much information on that. But I think it's important to know, even through these small studies, how quickly technology can change our brains, the way we behave, and so on. All right, so in a study done by the Department of Educational and Developmental Psychology in Spain, they interviewed 11 families in different European countries that had children aged from six to seven, and they found a couple of common features, one of which I wanna talk about. So first off, they note, it is important to foster forms of self-regulation in young children. This should be a shared expectation for parent and child. They know that children will continue to use technology because it is all around us and it doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. It will just continue advancing. Most families try to set schedules for each time so that they can directly or indirectly control how much time is being spent. So I'm sure you've seen all over social media where they are talking about how much time you should be spending on technology or how much time your kid should be spending on technology or you shouldn't have technology in front of your child from ages zero to five or you know it's fine if they have some technology from zero to five but just be intentional of how you use it there's so much information out there about what you should be doing with technology the biggest thing i want to say is if you think that the technology is hindering anything in your child just try spending less time on it spend less time and see if it changes their behaviors if it does great if it doesn't great now you know your child can handle that whatever technology it was that they were um you know participating in and you can move on but i do think it's important to identify different behaviors that your child might be um, exhibiting because of technology so what they said is their results showed that young children tie digital technologies primarily to their leisure and play time. Thus, the efforts to regulate children's use of digital technologies are in fact the efforts to regulate children's play, the domain that has been traditionally seen as the more autonomous domain of children's lives where adult intervention is often seen as an interference. So during playtime, they are exploring the world around them. They are engaging in imagination. They might even model things that they've seen whether that be on TV or from their parents, grandparents, whatever, they are modeling behaviors. They are trying to understand our world. And this is an autonomous time. Your child needs autonomy. If they can have autonomy, you're going to have less fights because if you can even, while you're putting shoes on, let's say, um, instead of just telling them, these are the shoes you're going to wear, let them choose, give them that feeling of autonomy and it's going to help them develop confidence. It's gonna help them to develop decision-making skills. It's going to help them to regulate their own behavior and their own emotions because they have to be able to either cooperate or make a decision. And so it's so important that you are not interfering with their playtime because their playtime 
is when they're learning all of these amazing skills. So it's very interesting that that is what children think of technology time as is their playtime. So if you're telling them how or when or how much time they get to spend on that, that can that can hurt them a little bit in their um, ability to have that autonomy so that they can practice regulating their emotions and behaviors. All right, so let's talk about another study. There was another study done by the Department of Psychology at Temple University on smartphones and cognition reviewed um, three facets. So attention, memory, and delay of gratification. So as I had said, although the evidence pointing to long-term impacts of smartphone related habits on attentional functioning is very thin, they can say that there is clear evidence that engagement with smart devices can have an acute impact on ongoing cognitive tasks. So basically what they're saying is even in that short period of time, it did determine the ability of these people's cognitive tasks. Now, when they were looking at this, they weren't actually looking at children. They were just looking at like adolescents and like high school kids, okay? And so by that point, their brain is pretty much developed besides their prefrontal cortex. So it is a little bit different than zero to five because zero to five, there's so much happening in their development and their brains are 110% sponges. So it is slightly different, but I think it's also important to note like what it does even on an adolescent or adult brain, because if it does that to their brain, think about what it's doing to your child's developing brain. All right. So um, an example that they provided was that if you are on the smart device and a notification pops up or a video that looks interesting pops up, you are 400% more likely to stop what you're doing before you engage with... Um, or sorry, you're going to be 400% more likely to stop what you're doing and indulge in that pop-up or that notification that occurred. That's insane. Like back in the day, that wasn't a thing. Like it wasn't like squirrel, squirrel, right? Like we weren't so tied to like all of these things that are happening because we weren't getting all of that stimulation and information given to us so often, right? It was very different. So I think that's so important because when you're learning something new, you have to be able to focus. You have to be able to focus on that skill and not be like squirrel, squirrel, right? You have to focus. So that's, that's one point that they made. Um, they also found that smartphones related habits can in some cases be detrimental to mnemonic functioning. Now, mnemonic functioning is really just like your memory. Um, this is referring to knowledge and memory of a given topic. They state that when we learn from our devices, we generally learn and remember less from our experiences. They do note, however, that the Rolodex played a similar role in, in the 1950s because we were able to place our contacts into one place where we could get the, um, that info at any time. This gave our brain the signal that it no longer needed to store that information. So because of the fact that we can just Google whatever we want, whenever we want, or we have all of our phone numbers in the phone, you probably know this. Like I remember as a child, like I had to memorize phone numbers. That's just what we did. We memorized our phone numbers. We memorized our um, addresses, things like that. But now we don't really have to do that. We can just put in that information in our phone and we never have to think about it ever again. Like it's really funny. Sometimes if I have to put my husband's phone number in, I'm like, what is my husband's phone number? You know, I have to really think about it because I'm, I don't ever have to think about it. I can just call him. So the fact that it is changing that in our ability for memory is important to know. And then also, as I had said before, 
experiences play a big role in our memory. If we have our five senses engulfed in our um, experiences in learning, it can help us to remember. Whereas when you're on an iPad, you're not you're not using those five senses. You are simply scrolling or tapping or whatever. So when we can engage them with movement and multi-sensory activities, it's going to be more beneficial. Um, And then also they were talking about when you are using um, technology correctly, it can provide an engaging way for children to learn new things. And I do think that it's important that we look at the intention. Why are we using the device? What are we using it for? And if we even break it from this is play and leisure time to we use this for some sort of learning time, I think that will help change that aspect of your child's brain of like, okay, this is learning time. That means I have to focus and we've got to learn this new skill. So now let's talk about delay of gratification and reward processing. I thought this part of the study was so interesting. Um, So if you don't know what delayed gratification is, it's that you will delay what you want um, like right now for something that's possible or bigger in the future. So you've probably seen the study where they get children and they give them that marshmallow and they say, Kate, if you wait five minutes and you don't eat this marshmallow, I'll give you five instead. So now they have the choice. Do I eat this marshmallow right now because I want it? And like, I don't care about the five that are in the future. Or do I wait that five minutes so that I can have five marshmallows instead of one marshmallow? And So let's talk about their studies and how that affects our delayed gratification or our reward processing. So again, the research is thin and we still don't have longitudinal information on the effects of smart devices and instant gratification, but we do have very small studies to show what it is causing. So they discussed a study in which participants were asked to identify why they were engaging in media. Was it cognitive, emotional, social, or habitual? Most of them said that they went into using technology for a cognitive need, but um, ended up coming out with emotional gratification instead. And they never even ended up pursuing that cognitive function. Now, another finding was that those that were heavier users of mobile technology were also more apt to accept a smaller, more immediate reward than to wait for something more substantial in the future. They note that one common thread they found was that if the person would naturally tend toward more immediate gratification and gives into impulses more easily, also tend to use their smart devices more often. So when we use smartphones and we are engulfing ourselves into an environment that is based on instant gratification, They gathered people that were heavy users, moderate users, and non-users of smart devices to see if this played a role in their reward processing. What they found was insane. They found that heavy smartphone users showed higher scores for impulsivity and hyperactivity. After the non-users had a three-month exposure, only three months of exposure to smart devices, they were found to have a higher occurrence of becoming more immediacy-oriented after the usage. So their delayed gratification literally went down after three months. And this is not just for Like this is not done on children. This is done on adolescents, high school, college students. Like they do not do this with children. So, whoa, that's crazy. Okay. So what they found is that the heavy usage of a smart device can usually reduce reduce a person's ability to delay gratification in favor of a greater reward in the future. You guys, learning is all about delayed gratification. Life is about delayed gratification. If you are going to accomplish something big in your life, 
it's going to take time and it's going to suck in the process. It's not fun when you are learning a new skill and you keep failing and you have to just keep on trucking through. Like that is life. And I think that it is important that our kids get time to experience that. So whether it is that they, you just have to be bored for a minute. I mean, there was a quote, I don't know who it was quoted by. So, and I'm probably going to quote it wrong, but they talked about boredom and how boredom is the root to creativity. In our world, we always need creative minds. We need people that are looking at problems and trying to solve the solution. This is not going to be an easy task. It's going to take time and it's going to suck. So I think it's important that we understand the effects that it has because learning is a cognitive function. Learning has a lot of delayed gratification. They're going to have to work really hard until they learn that new skill. And they can't just be like, well, I'm just going to give up now because I have my iPhone and my iPhone will do it for me always. No, you need to be able to do these things without the iPhone as well. So what does this also have to do with learning? They found a correlation between poor academic performance and higher levels of smart device usage. They found that the heavy usage of smart devices created a lack of ability in executive function and working memory tasks. They found that this success may depend on the ability of the person to exert self sorry, self-regulatory control over their behavior. Again, like I said in play, this is when they are learning their self-regulatory control over their own behaviors. There is not a parent involved in it. They are the ones that are in control of their behaviors and how they react to things. And if technology is hindering that ability, oh boy, that's a big problem. We have to be able to control our own emotions and our behaviors. Let's be honest, some adults aren't even good at this. So we should be very aware of this. So like I said, children's brains are sponges. In those early years, please take technology away sometimes where they just have to be bored or they just have to explore the world around them and they're playing and they're outside. It is so important for their future learning. So if you have a very young child from zero, even up until 10 years old or whatever, Play is going to look differently for these older kids, but they are still participating in types of play. It gets more competitive and things like that, but they are still participating in that and and that is good for them. Now, um, it did identify that their genetics and environment determine their outcomes. Um, In a book I I read called Disconnected Kids by a chiropractic neurologist, professor, and brain researcher, he found that from the womb to age two, the right side of the brain is developing and creating new synapses. And so this is like really to help keep the child safe. So the thing, that's why you get like those terrible twos and they're like, no to everything. Because for one, they're trying to find their autonomy. And for two, it's to keep them safe. So they just say no to everything. Um, So this is also geared toward more like disgust and fear. Um, And then the shift happens at three years old that the left side of the brain is now creating new synapses for logic and for language. And so this is when they go more into the why stage. They're more exploratory. This is the verbal, analytic, and orderly side of our brain. The side of the brain will be better at things like reading, writing, computations. The best way to develop these things in our brain is through play, imagination, games, movement, conversation, um, and how we interact in our world around us. So although technology can help us to learn new things, 
we do need to be intentional about its uses. And if your child is struggling with memory, delayed gratification, motivation, and attention on tasks outside of technology, it might be time to take a break or even just set limits or be more intentional with how you're using that technology. Now, this isn't just about what I think. I'm curious, what is your opinion? If you were a parent and you have set limits on technology or become more intentional with technology, have you seen changes in your child's behavior? I'm very curious to know. Um, and what do you think? What's your opinion? But that is the end of the podcast. I hope that you got some vital information about technology. I hope that you continue to do your own research and to really be cognizant or aware of your child's behavior when they have more or less technology. If this was helpful, please give my podcast a follow. Um, if you are watching this, please subscribe to my YouTube channel and I hope you have continued success and thanks for listening.